Angel, thank you so much. I haven't heard that song sung in church in a long time. How refreshing to hear it sung so beautifully as well. We have some very special guests with us today. Uh, we have brought from Louisville, Kentucky, Jim and Beverly Risley sitting right over here with us. Our dearest friends from Parkland <coughs> Baptist Church, a pastor could not ask for better friends than Jim and Bev Risley. Jim serves as a deacon at Parkland there in Louisville. Be Beverly serves as a Sunday school teacher. These are the kind of folks that go out every Monday night and visit. Did you hear what I said? Every Monday night. These are the kind of folks that uh, Beverly has a Sunday school class and she will go and visit all of the Sunday school class members that were not able to be at church because they're in rehab center or in the hospital or, or wh whatever, but she would be there and would make those visits. They are visiting ministers of the Lord. And uh, Riz is also the agitator for his Sunday school class. He and uh, the teacher, Don Milby, have something going every Sunday, some kind of kidding, some kind of prodding going on. And their class just accelerated, and they would have 40 and 50 every Sunday. And I told Riz, I said, I think the secret to your Sunday school growth is that people come just to hear what you and Don have to say <laughs> and the kidding that's going on there. Bev grew up in Fordsville, Kentucky, on Tick Ridge, and she was voted the most humorous person in her class in high school. And the reason I know that is um, one Wednesday night at our church, um, Bev comes in, she, do, she doesn't always um, keep you laughing, but she's got something humorous to say all the time. And we were going through the prayer list one Wednesday night. Now you've got to imagine this, I'm standing about right there and I've got the prayer list, and uh, Bev, for some reason, has decided to come in and sit on the front row. She never does that, but she's sitting right there on the front row. And I thought, well, she's up to something. And so... Uh, we go down the list on our prayer list and we get to this fella that has a brain tumor and it's very serious and uh, we want to pray for this fella who's got a brain tumor but now he's in the hospital because he has vertigo. Without missing a beat, Beverly uh, jumped up and said, I hear that's going around. Vertigo going around. Well, I... I didn't know whether to slap her or what, because I couldn't respond, I couldn't say anything. And here it is Wednesday night, and she's sitting there with that, with that uh, grin on her face, you know, like you can't say anything. And so Bev has always been that way. She's br she brought the humor to our church and always upbeat. And um, they have been through a number of health issues, both of them. Uh, Riz is taking treatments right now for right with... Uh, radiation for a tumor right here and uh, he's doing very well and we give thanks to God for them. Um, Beverly is an aunt to Keith Matthews in our church and so um, uh, so she grew up on Tick Ridge and when you see Keith ask him does he know where Tick Ridge is. All right turn with me to the book of Hebrews today chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. In our series of All About God, we want to talk about 
Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, God revealed to us in his fullest form. And I pray today that you can truly say Jesus is supreme in my life. Jesus is number one in my life. Now, before we begin the sermon, I want to remind you of this little saying. You can have anything in life you want, you know, within reason. In the world we live in today, the kind of world we live in, you can have anything in life that you want, but you can't have everything. And whatever you decide you want, you will pay a price for it. You can have anything in life you want, but you can't have everything. And what you decide you want, you must pay a price for it. Let's bow together in prayer, and let us pray for West, uh, was it West Point Baptist Church? Is that the name of the church, West Point? We thank you, O Lord, today for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit of God that enlightens your word to us and brings to life and, uh, and understanding what the scripture teaches. I pray, Father, today that you will help this stumbling preacher to present the supremacy of Christ in a way that will bring transformation, that we will make those changes that we need to make in order for Jesus to be number one in our life. Bring us, Lord, to that great understanding that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, that he is truly supreme and desires to be supreme in every heart here today. Speak to us, O oh Lord, we pray. pray. We pray for our sister church, West Point Baptist. We pray for their pastor. We pray for this time of coping with the COVID crisis. We pray, O oh Lord, that there will be a breakthrough and that there will be a remedy for this terrible virus that we are under. And Lord, that we can get back to a way of life that is more routine and normal for us and that will bring glory and honor to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. In verses 1 and 2 of the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, whom we're not sure he is, may have been, some say it was Paul the Apostle because of the way it ends. Others say that this book is not really a letter, it's a sermon. And uh, when you read it, it reads like a sermon. There's theology and then there's application. But to understand the book of Hebrews, we need to understand that God is speaking to us about the supremacy of Christ in the church and all through the history of Israel. Jesus revealed in the Old Testament. Jesus revealed in person as the Son of God in the New Testament times. And Jesus coming back again. And the whole book of Hebrews is about growing up and moving beyond the elementary teachings of the faith so that we can be discipled to grow in the Lord in our understanding of who Christ is. So in verses 1 and 2, he says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, in whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. 
when he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of on high, having become as much better than angels, and he has inherited a more excellent name even than they. We have in our day and time a religion that claims to be a Christian religion called Mormonism. Mormonism has come up with a new, a new Bible. It came to supposedly Joseph Smith as a translation on golden tablets and he merely translated from those golden tablets a book that claims that there is a latter-day congregation of people, of Christians, and they are called the Latter-day Saints. The implication there is that God has not fully spoken to us in the scriptures that we have up to the year 2000, but that God has once again revealed himself to us through another medium, through another prophet named Joseph Smith, and that this new Bible and this new religion now constitutes these latter-day saints. What that says, in effect, is the revelation of Jesus Christ is not complete. What that says is the coming of the Christ to us is not fully God, and that he is not truly revealed who God is to us that there is a mysterious second or latter revelation of God to us in the person of this, uh, of this new book called Mormon, the B B Book of Mormon and all it outlines. If you've ever studied the Book of Mormon, it is the Old Testament reconstituted and uh, given a flavor of pioneerism in American history, in American culture, so that there is a historical connection geologically and biologically to our ancestors of the Old Testament, and that's why it's important for them to study their genealogy. My family went through that. Um, not my father, but my uncles did. They went through all the processes of being baptized in the Mormon church. They even kept the laws that were reconstituted through the Mormon church. Um, they, they quit drinking Coca-Cola, uh, they quit drinking coffee, uh, they quit drinking alcohol, and became very pur puristic in their application of what they understood the teachings of Mormonism to be. But after a long period of time, those, uh, those laws did not give them a sense of salvation. And so they fell away. They fell away from their teaching of baptism, they started drinking Coca-Cola again, and the lawyer member of our family that, in, that brought Mormonism into our family went back to alcoholism and died an alcoholic. What that tells me is this. God is not a God of rules and regulations to be kept. God is a God of relationship. God is all about relationship of love for you and for me, his people. And we are transformed to the image of Christ through this love relationship that we have with Holy God. Keeping rules like not drinking coffee or not drinking Coca-Cola because it has caffeine in it. By the way, my liver doctor told me this week, drink all the co caffeine coffee you can drink. He said, uh, I said, well, uh, you know, I'm not supposed to be drinking 
uh, caffeinated coffee. I've laid off it. No, no, he said, drink all you can drink. He said, it's good for your liver. He said, we have learned. He said, if you're drinking three cups of caffeinated coffee, drink four. If you're drinking five cups of caffeinated coffee, drink six. So I'm back to drinking caffeinated coffee, and I'm just nervous as I can be. But uh, that doesn't make me closer to God. That doesn't bring me into a more holy existence. It is the transformation of who I am by the presence of the Christ in me that transforms me into this love relationship that I have now with holy God who is my Father. And so in this series, in talking about all about God, we must include all about Jesus and his role with us. Now in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews is trying to help us understand just how supreme Christ is. And if you put yourself into the position of the reader of the book of Hebrews, there are some people in your family, there are some people in your past that you highly revere. One of those is angels. Angels are a medium from God. Angels speak for God. Angels reveal things from God. Another of those is uh, the prophet Moses. Uh, the greatest man who ever walked, who ever lived, the man that God used to give to us the uh, Ten Commandments is the prophet Moses. There's not one greater than Moses. In fact, when Jesus came along, that's what got Jesus into the most trouble with the Pharisees and the scribes and the, and the Sadducees is that he claimed to be older than Moses. He claimed to have known Moses. And they said, well, you're not, you're not 50 years old yet, and you knew Moses? And uh, Jesus is trying to say to them, I am preexistent. I did not just come into being 30 years ago, but I am that I am. I always have been, and I'm God with you. So in their history, there's the status of angels. There is the status of Moses. And then there's also, thirdly, the status of the high priest. Now, the high priest is the one that was selected every year to go into the Holy of Holies in the temple and to offer the one atonement sacrifice for the sins of all of Israel. And uh, he had to go through purification for himself and purification for the people before he went into this whole place of Holy of Holies, the high place, and to offer this one sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the people, for the sins of their past. It did not take care of the sins of the future. Therefore, the offering on the Holy of Holies by the high priest, even though that was a holy office and a high calling, uh, that was to be repeated year after year after year. And so Hebrews comes along and says, Okay, y'all admire angels. Let me tell you about one who's greater than angels. And his name is Jesus. He is the Son of God. God in times past revealed himself to us through prophets and through angels. But in these last days, he has completely revealed himself to us. Fully, that's the word he uses, fully revealed to us in Jesus Christ. That's why the Book of Mormon is hocus pocus. Because if God is fully revealed in Jesus Christ, listen to this, if God is fully revealed to us in Jesus Christ, how can he be more fully revealed at a second time or at a latter time? God is 
fully and completely revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you want to know who the Father is, study me. If, if you want an idea of who, or what God is saying to, to us these days, listen to the words that I say, because I am speaking what the Father tells me to speak. So in the book of Hebrews, he starts out with this idea of angels. And he says, you think angels are a big deal? Let me tell you about Jesus, who was the creator of angels. And then secondly, he goes on to talk about Moses. In uh, chapter 2, he talks about how Moses um, gave to them the law of the Old Testament and how Moses was the greatest of, of prophets. But the writer of Hebrews is saying Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is supreme and greater than Moses. And you've got to remember now the people he's writing to so revere Moses uh, that there's no prophet since then who can, who can be greater than him. And the writer of Hebrews saying, but Jesus is. Because he gave the covenant to Moses. And then thirdly, they talk about the high priest and the role of the high priest where he would take the offering into the Holy of Holies. Did you know they even tied a rope on his leg when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies? Did, did you know that? They tied a rope on his leg. Because to be in the very presence of holy God would, would just take life out of you. God was such a holy, burning presence that to be in his presence, you might not live, you might not survive it. And so they tied a rope on the foot of the high priest. Wow, what an honor, huh? To be selected, to be the guy to go in and offer the Holy of Holies and know that you may not come out. You, you, may, you may just evaporate. And so they revered him. They honored him. They, they thought, wow, what a guy. And then the writer of Hebrews comes along and says, let me tell you about one greater than the high priest. He is our high priest. And Hebrews goes to talk about how Jesus is both the priest. Now watch this. Jesus is, he plays the role of the priest that offers the sacrifice. And he himself is the sacrifice being offered. So he plays both roles. He is the sacrificial lamb that was offered on the propitiation seat. And offering himself he played the role of being the high priest too. So he was both the high priest that offered the sacrifice and he was the sacrifice of the lamb itself. High priest couldn't claim that, but Jesus did. So I would ask you today to consider who's the greatest person in your life? Who do you look to to be the one that receives the greatest honor in your life. I hope that it's Jesus. And there's some signs and some indicators that we can mark, that we can go by, that we can use according to Scripture to help us understand whether or not Jesus is truly supreme over all things in our life. One, if Jesus is supreme in our life, he will also be supreme in our home. That's very clear from the book of Ephesians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul says if we live by the Spirit, we will also walk by the Spirit. 
And when we walk by the Spirit, we live the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, self-control. But we do that in the context of our home, around our kids. And I'm telling you, during the COVID days, I think we're getting tired of each other. I think it's time to break out and let school get started again. We need some space, don't we? Have you noticed that here around church, the gossip and the conflict has come to a nil, almost nothing? I've told friends of mine, I said, when we had to shut down church and had to broadcast just, just from, the, uh, from, the, from the medium of Facebook page, people couldn't get together and talk to each other on Sunday morning. So all of a sudden, the anxieties in our church just began to just kind of fall down. Why? Because we weren't around each other to agitate each other. That's why. That's why. But now, what's happened? We miss each other, don't we? And we want to be with each other again. The question is, can we come back together like a family and get along better than we did before COVID-19? That's the question. And if Jesus is truly Lord of our church and Lord of our fellowship, He will be Lord of our homes as well. Men, you're to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Wives, you're to respect your husbands as you respect the Lord. Children, you're to obey your mother and your father and not frustrate them. And dads, you are to bring discipline to the home as the leader of the home without making your kids so angry they can't stand your presence. And that's how you know Christ is Lord of your home. Now we are getting off balance, I think, in letting other things become supreme in our life. We talked about some in Sunday school this morning. We talked about the internet becoming supreme. Uh, we, we talk about um, other things in our life that just kind of take first place and Jesus takes last place in our life. I want you to consider for the next 40 days, just for the next 40 days, would you fast one thing in your life that's getting in the way of your relationship with the Lord would you cut down on Facebook would you cut down on internet would you cut down on exposure to the cell phone these modern day devices are becoming a distraction there's a sign on the highway as I get up to West Point and it says, nobody likes a distracted driver. And it's, what it's talking about is texting while you're driving. But it really hurts our relationship to the Lord to be distracted by electronic things or anything where Jesus is not supreme. What we want is everything. That's our sin. We want it all. We want all of the best foods. We want all of the best information, all of the best entertainment. We want all of the best education. We want all of the best 
uh, excitements and resources, etc., out there in the world. We want it all. You can have anything you want in life, but you can't have everything. You can't have it all. And what you decide you want in life, you must pay a price for it. Jesus said, if I'm going to be supreme in your life, if any man will come after me, let him first deny himself, take up his cross daily, and then come and follow me. If we're to do that, then there are going to have to be some distractions in our life that are getting in the way of our relationship with the Lord that we need to say, Lord, I don't need that more than you. I need you more than I need that distraction. Now you have to decide what that distraction is. You have to decide what you're making number one, like an angel or a prophet or a Moses or a high priest. You're, you're, you're going to have to decide what you've set up as most important in your life. And if it's not Jesus, you'll pay the price for it. You'll pay the price for it. I remember as a kid that my grandmother did something that most grandmothers would not do. Now, my grandparents are the kind of parents that, well, I'll tell you how old I am. My, my grandfather was born in the decade of the Civil War. Am I old or what? Think about that, Bill. 1869, my grandpa was born. Eight, that's the decade of the Civil War, my grandfather. My grandmother was born 10 years later, 1879, Francis Luella. Now, these were pioneers. These were people who cleared land, raised 15 kids, settled the land, and went to church on Sunday. And where they went to church, they didn't have a preacher every Sunday. They'd have these circuit-riding preachers that would come by on their horses, and they would be every other week or every third week. But they always had Sunday school, some kind of group Bible study. And then, oh boy, today the preacher's coming. We get, a, we get to have a preacher today. Isn't that great? And they rejoiced at this. And once a year, they would have a revival. And that revival would last one or two weeks most of the time. And it would always be in August of every year. Now, do you know why we had revivals in August? Because we didn't have a way to heat the water in the baptistry. And it was, all, it was always so hot in August that the cool water felt real good. So that's when we had our revivals. My grandparents were the kind of grandparents that attended that one-room schoolhouse, which was their church on Sunday. Boy, talk about separation of church and state. They didn't know what that was then. But the schoolhouse and the church house was the same building. And they went every Sunday until they were the last two people to show up for revival. The preacher came, and my grandparents were the last two that showed up. And they had their week-long revival, and they closed the doors to that little church. Now, the, 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 the kids of my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, went on to find jobs just like their community did. It, it, 
people moved away to find work. They went on, like you all moved to Louisville and found work at GE and Ford. They moved to Baton Rouge to find jobs at the um, refineries. But on the weekends, these kids would come back to our little place on the farm, um, little dirt road house, and would spend the weekend with Grandma and Grandpa. And on Sunday morning, Grandma would say, now, we're going to church today. And their immediate response was, well, we didn't bring uh, church clothes. We, we didn't, we're not dressed well enough to go to church today. And How many grandparents would have stayed home with their kids and their grandkids? My grandmother would say to her children, well, y'all just make sense at home. We're going on to church. And we'll be back about 12.30. That's my spiritual legacy and heritage. And my grandmother couldn't read that Bible, but she loved to hear it preach. And she wasn't going to let family, she wasn't going to let anything get in her way of being in the house of God on the Lord's day. Wow. We need to bring that tradition back. We need to bring that kind of devotion back. We need to bring back that kind of supremacy of Jesus Christ. He is either Lord of the church or He's not. He's either Lord of my life or He's not. He can't be half Lord or Lord part-time. He must be Lord all the time. And if I'm going to allow Him to be Lord all the time, then there are some distractions that I need to repent of and let go for a period of time to see if I'm not more satisfied in my relationship with Jesus because I've made him Lord over these things. Father, we thank you that Jesus is truly supreme. But sometimes we fail to let him be supreme. Many times we are attracted to distractions, these novelty things that come along in our life. They, they keep us entertained. They... They keep us wandering, and they're designed to be that way. And first thing you know, Lord, we're letting these distractions take the place of our allegiance to you. God, give us the commitment to say to others, Christ is Lord. He comes first. We'll be in the house of God. We will serve the Lord with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. And we will love our neighbors ourselves. We will restore the tithe where it belongs in the house of God. We will restore our time where it belongs in the house of God. We will restore Christ in our home as we love each other as Jesus loves us.
In his name we pray. Amen.